but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus tells Martha, only one thing is necessary. When we are overcome with worry, we have done what Martha did. We've forgotten the one thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus. But we so often put our trust in other things that when they don't work out the way we want them to, we start to worry. And we become afraid because we're so focused on our own agenda. And when something gets off track, we can't handle it because we've lost control. But the real problem is not that we've lost control, but that we have forgotten that we were never meant to be in control in the first place. In John 14, 1, Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. When we wait in the presence of the Lord and hand control over to him and say, Lord, your plans be accomplished, not mine, he reminds us that his plans have not faltered. When you put your trust in God, he will take care of you when you can't take care of yourself. Psalms 127, 2b says, For he gives to his beloved, even in his sleep. That means if you're trusting in God, when you're asleep, he's up working to make sure you're well taken care of. One time I was praying and seeking God about an important decision because I felt like he was leading me to start working for myself, doing contract work. And I was praying and saying, God, I don't feel like I'm going to be able to provide for my family. I don't feel like I'm going to be able to do this. But in my spirit, I knew that God was telling me, don't worry, I've got it. And so I got down on my knees and I said, God, you're in control. You're our provider. I'm going to trust you with this. And the very next day after I said that, I got a phone call with someone offering enough contract work to keep me going. And I knew that it wasn't anything that I had done, it was God. Another time, I found myself burdened by the amount of work that I was having to do. I was working late hours because I was worried that if I didn't work enough, I wouldn't be able to provide for my family. And so I came before God and said, God, I'm tired. I'm working all the time. I don't know what to do. And God said to me, stop working. I've got it. And I said, stop working. I can't do that or else there won't be enough. I won't be able to provide. But God again said, stop working. I've got it. And so I took off work an hour early that day. And as soon as I took work off, I went outside and I checked the mail. And in the mailbox was a random check for $500 that I could never have predicted. And I knew that it was God that was providing for us. I'm not telling you that God doesn't want you to work. I'm telling you he doesn't want you to worry. Jesus reminds us of the most important thing. And if you will begin to seek this one thing first, you will see your problems from his perspective and not your own. I bet if an all-powerful, loving God looked down at the issues in your life, he would say, this is what all the fuss is about? Really? I can handle that. Don't worry. Isaiah 40, 31a says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings 
like eagles. Hi, I'm Troy Black. If you enjoyed this Worry it affects us all to certain degrees. It's like he said, some people worry about their worry. And I want to encourage you today that 90% of what we worry about doesn't happen. Never will happen. 90% of what you worry about will never happen. It is my prayer for you and I today. Let's become masters together of training each other not to worry. Not to worry because God's got it. If God doesn't have it, if God is not in control, please do yourself a favor and worry every day of your life. But if God is in control, if God is in control, if Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, and we're to put worry at the feet of Jesus at the cross, if we can do that, don't take your worry back. Don't take your worry back. You know, God is a loving Father. And I want to encourage you today that as a loving Father, I set the culture for my home as a husband and as a father. And I look at the spiritual climate of my home. And if there is an element or an ounce of fear that is through that door or even knocking on that door, I want to know about it because I don't want my wife to worry about anything. I don't want her to worry about anything. I don't want my children to worry about anything. What happens if you went before the judge and the judge says, okay, I'm going to find out everything about your life that we can lock you away on. And you go to the judge and you say to the judge, I want to make a statement first, judge. And you say to the judge, judge, it is my plan and mission in life as a parent I'm going to train my children to worry and to live in fear. It's probably not a judge on earth that would not want to lock me up. It is our job as Christian parents, grandmothers, grandfathers, uncles, aunties. It is our job to train each other, friendships, leaders. It's our job to train each other not to worry. And when you and I study the real thing, the authenticity of the Holy Spirit, when we study His comfort, His peace, and His love, you will be able to sniff out and understand straight away what worry sounds like, what it looks like, and then your job is to pounce on it like a cat after a bird and to get worry out of that equation. Worry will kill you. Worry will take years off your life. Worry will affect our parenting, our decision-making. Worry will do all those things. And the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, 4.23 of Proverbs, and incidentally this month, I want to encourage our whole church, this month, uh, the whole church, music team, committee management, all of our teams, we're going to do another month of communion. Every group, I'm going to ask you to do communion this month. And the second thing I want to ask is, uh, this will be Proverbs month. Jesus spoke about the wise men, how they got together before Jesus was born and they searched. I want every day of November 1st, 2nd, 3rd to read a proverb every day. November 1, read Proverbs 1. November 5, read Proverbs 5. So communion and Proverbs this month. And it says here, keep your heart with all 
diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So the Bible says to guard your heart, to protect your heart, to nurture your heart with all diligence. Very fast for me. We'll bring that back up. The Bible says to do that. But there's one area of your life that you must never, never, ever guard your heart in. Never, ever do it. There's one area that you must not guard your heart in. It says, above all else, guard your heart. See, the title of this message today is called Legal Entry. Legal Entry. Quite often in our lives, we let anger, fear, anxiety, anxiety, worry, depression, comparisons, nitpicking, blaming, excuses. We give that legal entry to come into our mind, our mouth, and our homes. And the Bible says, don't do it. Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to do it. Don't give that legal entry, legal access. According to the Dictionary in Criminal Law, entry is the unlawful making of one's way into a dwelling or a house for the purpose of committing a crime. See, when worry or, or all these other things come into your house, it's committing a crime against your Christianity. Would you let me come into your house, break in, and take your precious jewelry or your money? No, you wouldn't. So why do we let worry and aggression and fear get unlawful entry into our minds and our families and our hearts? I want to say to you today is stomp your foot and say no more. I'm not going to let this in my family. I'm a loving father, a mother, a friend, a leader, a pastor. I cannot let this have legal entry into my life anymore. Because if you and I give this legal entry into our lives, then we are disobeying and we are discrediting what Jesus did on the cross of Jesus Christ. It is not our inheritance to worry. It is not. If you allow worry to become a voice of fear and anxiety in your life, it will direct your decisions in relationships, in finances, in opportunities. We cannot allow that to happen. So the Bible says to guard your heart. But can I say, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, do not guard your heart. Let the Holy Spirit come into your heart. So the Bible heart. says to guard allow your heart. The Holy but can Spirit I say, when it to comes come to the Holy your Spirit, unguarded heart, do not guard your heart. To take over the Holy your Spirit whole life. So the Bible heart. says to guard your heart. The Holy Spirit when it comes to the Holy Spirit, allow the Spirit to talk to you. And you say, Holy Spirit, show me the areas of my life where I have these things that want to commit unlawful entry crimes against my Christianity. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask your friends and family to show you. What does that sound like? Is that faith or fear? Fear is the opposite of faith. You're either in faith or you're in fear. And if you're in fear, you're not going to walk in the will of God. You cannot achieve that. We walk by faith. So unguard your heart when it comes to allowing the Holy Spirit come in. It is my prayer that everyone here gives legal entry for the Holy Spirit to come into their hearts. John 14, 16 to 20. John 14, 16 to 20. And this is the, the main scripture of the whole morning, the only scripture that's left that I want to focus on. And it says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper. 
that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Unguard your heart this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and to talk to you about every area of your life. Every area of your life. Comfort. Can I encourage you? We hear a lot of messages about, about this and about that. But I want to leave a message with you and I today that the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your comforter. I want my wife to walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I want our church not to walk in fear, worry, desperation, anxiety. That is not God's plan for your life and for my life. The Holy Spirit has come to comfort you and to be your helper. He's come to be your voice of reason, your truth. You know, when you look at me, Pastor Shane, I'm the spiritual covering of this church with my wife and Pastor Dawn, the ministry team. But I'm so much more than that. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a friend. I'm a disciple. I'm a colleague. I run a business. And the Holy Spirit's like that too. He's not just a comforter. He's not just a helper. The Holy Spirit is so much more than that. But unfortunately, unfortunately, the Holy Spirit can be the most ignored person in the church. If we as a church dedicated the next month focusing on how to hear the voice of God, how to hear the Holy Spirit, you know, the first thing I did when I came to Jesus was I heard these preachers up on stage and they were talking about how they heard God. They heard God this and they heard God that. And I, I walked home, not angry at the preacher, but I walked home very, very frustrated and annoyed and angry. And I'm like, really? God talks to you? He doesn't talk to me. How on earth can you say God talks to you? But can I tell you, there's at least seven to nine different ways that I have found out that God can talk to you. The very first message I preached to the youth group 20 years ago was How to Hear from God by Joyce Meyer. There's lots of people that can show you how to hear the voice of God. He does talk to us. And so me, as many different facets that I have a role in, I need to hear the voice of God for every one of them. I need to hear the voice of God as a husband. Do I need to lift my game? Do I need to buy you more flowers? Okay, truth or dare, uh, do, need do to I lift need to my game? Sorry more. Do I need to buy yes, you more flowers? Okay. okay. <laughs> do I need to give you okay, more attention? Okay, truth or dare, uh, do, need do to I lift need to my game? Sorry yeah. more. Do I need to buy you more flowers? Okay. So, so do I need to give you more attention? Truth or dare, need to lift my game? Sorry more. Do I need to buy you more flowers? So I need to. So I need to give you more Truth or dare, need to lift my game? Sorry more. Do I need to buy you more flowers? So I need to. Do I need to give you more Truth or dare, need to lift my game? Sorry more. Do I need to buy you more flowers? So I need to. Do I need to give you more in life, where the spirit of love and truth, walking in truth in love. So the Holy Spirit are these other things. He is the author of Scripture. 
2 Peter 1.21. He is the comforter, counselor, and advocate. It says it in John 14.16. The Holy Spirit is the convictor of sin. I can give you these later. John 16.7. He is the deposit, the seal, the earnest. 2 Corinthians 1.22. The Holy Spirit is God's seal on His people. His claim on us is His very own. Once you have the seal of the Holy Spirit, you belong to God. And God is so interested in whether you're walking in faith or worry, faith or fear. God, as a loving Father, is interested in where you're at with your mind and the voices in your mind. It says the Holy Spirit is a guide, John 16, 13. The Holy Spirit is the indweller of believers, Romans 8, 9 to 11. He is the intercessor, revealer, the spirit of truth, John 14, 17. He's the spirit of God, the Lord, the Christ, the spirit of life, a teacher, a witness. And God the Father sent Jesus to die on the cross to walk as a real man. It said that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He cried for Jerusalem. It says that Jesus knelt down in the garden of Gethsemane and he was under so much pain and anguish for the cup that God was asking him to drink that he sweated medically great drops of blood. He died on the cross. He rose again. He sat on the right hand of God and he sent the Holy Spirit as a gift to you and I. God the Father did that. Why? What do we know about God the Father? Well, God is a good Father, and the reason why He sent us the Holy Spirit, because God is a protector. God wants to show us affection by sending the Holy Spirit. God is a wall of trust and security, a source of encouragement. He wants to provide all of our needs. He respects men and women together. He wants us to spend time with Him, being satisfied. And God is a great teacher. So I want to encourage you this morning. Get as you close as you can to the Holy Spirit. Learn how to hear the voice of God. I would say probably nine or ten times out of ten, the issues that you and I would have with each other or with people in our families or out in the world is because we haven't spent enough time hearing the voice of God. You know, there's things that my children do and my wife does and vice versa that annoy me because I'm not them and they're not me. And quite often we can get a knee-jerk reaction and the minute somebody doesn't do something in church or in family life, we want to go straight away and address it. But what would our church and our families look like is before we straight away, unless it's an emergency situation, someone's trying to run across the road, a child, things like that. But nine times out of ten, we just pull back a bit, we breathe, we pray in tongues, we worship, we settle down our spirits and we say, God, my wife owes me more foot rubs, I've been telling her head scratches, back scratches, I've been telling her for 20 years. I've told her dad, I've told her mum, I've told everybody around her, they're all against me. They don't want me to get a head rub or a back scratch, they are all against me. I've complained to church people about how she doesn't 
touch me enough. I feel unloved and untouched and I need to be, my head to be massaged more. And I really need to tell her about that. And I need to let her know and I need to get more people involved so I can gang up on her. So I can set up a Facebook page. And on my Facebook page, I'm going to have a group for the head scratchers who feel left behind. And we start up a pity party. And we, then we go after these people because we don't get enough head scratches and back scratches. And it all stems back to when my mother used to give me lots of head scratches. And, back, and my wife has not been able to measure up with that. We won't even get onto cooking. We won't even get onto cooking. But my mum has set a precedent for head scratches and back rubs that my wife has never been able to compete with. But it's not my job to go up out of emotion and, and, and dig a deeper hole like I am now. It's my job to seek the Holy Spirit and to say, God, how do I inspire my wife to give me more back scratches and more head scratches? Maybe, maybe over the next week, you can ask her, has she done it? Has she been obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Now, I, I say this in jest. Yes, come on, come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What you have not done faithfully in secret shall be shouted from the rooftops. So, uh, one of the rules in preaching class they tell you is don't take out your personal issues with your wife or the congregation. I'm sorry I've done that. But there's next week, I'll get it right. But I want to encourage you today, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Be faithful to His voice. The Holy Spirit wants to comfort you and I. It wants to help us get rid of the fear, the anxiety, the comparison, the worry. And the last thing I want to say is that let, let us never be a church that is so focused on jobs that we forget people. Jesus did not come down for jobs or for tasks he came down for people first. Quite often I can look at Joe or somebody else and go, why wasn't that done at home? Why wasn't that done at church? But when I start to go with the patience and the love and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I'll find out that maybe work gave him more hours that week and he had to work. Maybe the car broke down. Maybe one of the children were unwell. Maybe all these things happen. And the Holy Spirit will tell us, pull back. People are so much more important than jobs. If we don't get all the jobs done in the next two months, but we love people and we put people first above jobs, do you think heaven is more uh, celebrating with that than going to God and saying, look how many jobs I did. And the people are like, we burnt people out, we offended people, we hurt people just to get a few jobs done. We've got to put it back in perspective people first and when we put people first when we love people first the jobs will automatically get done you put jobs first people will feel discouraged and unappreciated and the jobs then won't get done and then people will leave families and businesses and churches because we got it done the wrong way so i pray allow the holy spirit to comfort you to such a degree where your marriages and your families and your businesses and your small groups, your life groups run so amazing because we just loved each other because Jesus inside us. Father, thank you for today.
I thank you we have a great church. Father, I pray that we're never that church that we forget about the people that we're called to serve. We're called to serve people and love people. And out of that servitude, out of that heart to listen to the Holy Spirit, the jobs will automatically get done because the people will feel loved and accepted. If there's anybody here today that you have never, ever felt the comfort through the Holy Spirit, you've never felt the comfort through the love of God that I'm talking about, I'm not here to offer you religion. This is a non-religious church. This church doesn't want to be part of putting Jesus back on the cross again. Religion put Jesus on the cross. Love kept him there. We don't want to be involved in religion. We want to be involved with relationship where the Holy Spirit moves and talks to us. If there's anybody here you have not asked Jesus into your heart for the first time and you want to do that, raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Anybody like that? If you feel your heart going a bit faster, your heart racing, if you feel like I should be doing this this morning, just obey that. Don't do it because I'm asking. Doing it because you feel it's the right thing to do in your heart at the right time. Anybody here that wants to ask Jesus into their heart for the very first time? Anybody like that? You want the comfort of God, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, that voice that says, I know what you've done wrong, but with me, everything can be made right. With me, everything can be made right. As we stand this morning, we're going to worship this morning. If you feel that was you, we're going to open up the altar this morning for prayer. If anybody needs prayer to hear the voice of God, to be touched by the Holy Spirit, to give their life to Jesus, to get a spiritual boost, if anybody needs that, come to the front. We'd like to lay hands on you and pray with you. Pray with you. But we're going to sing a song this morning. And we're going to ask God just to move you where you're at in your seats, to hear His voice, to be comforted, to go out there and comfort the world. And I just want to say a quick prayer for the couple that we're